from lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We start with breaking news today, the latest development with the Saudi Back Golf League as Live Golf announced an invitational series set to launch this June. Live Golf Investments is providing more than $400 million in seed money to launch this series. Let me be clear, I am not naive. If this is an arms race, and if the only weapons here are dollar bills, the PGA Tour can't compete. The PGA Tour, an American institution, can't compete with a foreign monarchy that is spending billions of dollars in an attempt to buy the game of golf. We welcome good, healthy competition. The Live Saudi Golf League is not that phil mickelson this news just came down from the new york post uh in the last few minutes phil mickelson is going to join the live tour this is the saudi arabian golf tour which is starting this weekend on thursday in london uh my opinion is they shouldn't be here um they've been paid a lot of money to go play on a different tour that is trying to buy the professional game in golf. Look, I got respect for Roy as a player. He's good. He's phenomenal. I, look, he's entitled to his opinion. He can think whatever he wants. Um, he's going to do what's best for him and his family. I'm going to do what's best for me and my family. And uh, can't hate on anybody for that. And like I said, opinions change, man. Do you see anything on down the line? Would you like to see a merging of these two ideas, concepts, or however you want to put it? for the better of it so you have your defending champion here for example this year and you have some of these other top players in the world who aren't who you guys have obviously banned from the from the tour mm -hmm. i what i want to see is us continue to grow with our membership and to me getting into hypothetical situations given where we currently are is is not a worthwhile is not a worthwhile effort that's that's not a possibility so what i want to see is we are who we are. We're the most pro-competitive, legacy-driven tour in men's professional golf. We're about to get stronger. We're about to create more opportunities for our players, and we're about to inspire future and younger generations to continue to play the game and, and be inspired to get here. And so that's how that couple, what I mentioned earlier, that's how we, that's how we contribute to the game, which that we're a part of and that we're a party to. Um, and I think any other hypotheticals when. You know, it's just this is not worth talking about. Let's just go and see the world and just show them what it really means to live like golden. Breaking news here on CBS Sports HQ. Major news from the world of golf. The PGA and European tours have agreed to merge with Saudi backed rival Live Golf. The agreement ends all pending litigation between the parties and it forms a new collectively owned and as yet unnamed entity. I think today is a it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf. Uh, and it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour. 
And you're right, you know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. We've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. Huge news, huge, huge news, and it's a story that's been bubbling away for quite a while. Let's go through the timeline. October 2021, it emerged that a Saudi-backed series was taking shape with Greg Norman as Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer. March 22, the first rumours of some big signings being Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and they will commence with eight tournaments worth $255 million. May 2022, the first live field is announced. Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter, Taylor Gooch, Kevin Nah, Lee Westwood, Phil Mickelson, Martin Keimer, Graham McDowell, Charles Schwartzel, an action-packed field. Next day, the PGA players must get permission, said the PGA Tour, to play in the first live event. And the PGA Tour declined all tour players' permission. As soon as the live golf was teed off in the first event, they were informed they were no longer welcome on the PGA Tour and their membership had been suspended. A week after the first tournament, major champion Brooks Kepka signs with Live. The same week, the PGA Commissioner announced changes for those that remained in the PGA Tour. Included was massive prize money increases at eight particular tour events. August the 2nd, 2022. 11 live golfers file a lawsuit over their PGA suspension. August 16, 2022. Tiger and Rory host a players only meeting at the PGA, sorry, at the BMW Championship. It was revealed Tiger had been offered $700 million to join Live. Tiger declined. August the 30th, 2022. British Open champion Cam Smith signs with Live. Live now have six of the world's top 30 golfers, many of them major, major winners. September 28, Mickelson said the best solution would be to come together. Jay Monaghan, the commissioner, said it's not on the cards, never has been, we are consistent with that. October 2022, one of the big issues for Live golfers was official world ranking points and their inability to gain them. So Liv joined MENA, that is the Middle East and North African PGA Tour in an alliance because they are sanctioned with World Ranking Organisation. But immediately the official World Ranking Committee blocked this alliance. October 2022, the Royal and Ancient announced they will not ban Liv golfers from the British Open. November 2022, Rory McIlroy says for things to progress between the two entity, Greg Norman has to go. He needs to exit stage left. There needs to be an adult in the room to mend the fences. Two weeks later, Tiger said the same thing. Greg Norman has to go. December 2022, Augusta National announced former champions that are current live golfers, Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, they will receive their Masters invitations. January this year, 2023, Liv obtained full broadcast deal, both television and streaming. March 2023, the PGA Tour announced big changes to the 2024 schedule. 
Basically smaller fields of around 70 in designated events. No cut at the halfway stage. No change to majors and FedEx Cup. May the 3rd, 2023. Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Richard Bland, Ian Poulter all resign from the DP World Tour. DP World Tour officials say it was a consequence of their own choices. May the 4th, not very long ago, US Department of Justice announced a thorough investigation into President Donald Trump's association with Saudi Public Investment Fund while he was still in office. In 2022, two Trump courses hosted lift tournaments and they will do so again. How has this all happened? Why has this all happened? For me, simply, the PGA Tour cannot afford the litigation that the relentless and bottomless pit of gold and money that the public investment fund out of Saudi Arabia have. They would never win. They would go broke. They're a non-for-profit. They've had to lick their wounds. They've had to join forces. It's not comfortable with me. And now, it's just come out, there's been a players meeting at the Canadian Open. Three times PGA Tour winner Johnson Wagner said he listened in to the meeting by mobile phone of a players in Toronto for this weekend's Canadian Open and estimated that 90% of the players present were against the merger. He said, I think it's the most powerful moment when a player quoted, uh, the most powerful moment was when a player quoted the commissioner when in Minnesota last year he said, as long as I'm commissioner of the PGA Tour, no player who took live money will ever play on the PGA Tour again. Wagner said there was a lot of anger in the room, the feeling they can't trust what the leadership of the PGA says anymore. Kiwi golfer Danny Lee, he joined Liv earlier this year. He also had a dig at the PGA Tour. He said, are they talking about money or legacy in the PGA Tour meeting right now? Mackenzie Hughes, another PGA pro, said there's nothing like finding out through Twitter that we're merging with a tour that we said we'd never do that with. And everyone thought, said Colin Morikara, yesterday was the longest day in golf. He also said he found out about the merger on Twitter. Phil Mickelson, among the loudest lived defectors, has called it an awesome day. And remember, in Phil Mickelson's case, he went over for $200 million. Does he have to give it back? Probably not. Um, Scott Van Pelt, very well-respected golf broadcaster in America, he says, So, you preach loyalty to a tour and convince guys not to take eight- and nine-figure deals based in part on that loyalty and in part on the source of the money. Then those guys find out on Twitter that you took the very same money. So many players are saying it's a win-win. That's from the live side. The PGA players feel betrayed. Dylan Wu, just a second year PGA Tour player, has called it hypocrisy. He says, tell me why Jay Monaghan basically got a promotion to CEO of all golf in the world by going back on everything he has been saying in the last two years. I guess money always wins. This is a big, big, murky, murky subject. Very murky. We'll pick it up again after this break. We've got Bruce Young, uh, wonderful golf analyst, what he makes of it all. Stick with us with Bruce. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, big news with Liv and the PGA and the DP World Tour, remember, formerly known as the European Tour, all coming together 
under one umbrella. What sort of shape that takes, what it's called, I don't know. Um, a lot of people won't know any answers and even feel a bit sorry for asking Bruce Young to come on because he'll know as, as much as anyone, which is still probably bugger all. Bruce, welcome in. Uh, good afternoon to you too, Steph. Uh, yeah, look, you are right. I think uh, over here in Australia, we received a, a press release from the PGA Tour at a, some ungodly hour this morning. So I probably spent the last few hours trying to decipher it all. and I'm not sure I'm any the better off. But I suppose in the overall scheme of things, unity needed to be arrived at. But whether this is the best model remains to be seen. And the devil will be in the detail, and the detail is pretty scant at the moment. So it's going to take some time to sort out exactly what this means for each of those three tours. And, and the PGA Tour, as you know, own not only the PGA Tour, but they own the, the, the PGA Champions Tour. They own the, the South American Tour, the Canadian Tour. Uh, and Live Golf have been involved in the Asian Tour over the last two or three years as well in a very extensive way. So there's so many things to come out of this in terms of the detail and probably there are only maybe maybe a dozen people that probably knew about these negotiations that were going on behind the scenes. The, obviously the heads of each of the tours and their legal representatives. But many of the players, or hardly very few of the players, clearly knew nothing about this. Um, so yeah, a lot will uh, evolve over the next few days, the next few weeks to try and work out exactly what all this means. Yeah, the, that was the thing that amazed me was um, Jay Monaghan, the commissioner for the PGA Tour, said they met, he met with the head of the Saudi group seven weeks ago in Venice. Now, Rory McIlroy is head of the Players' Union or whatever you want to call it. He didn't know anything. Greg Norman got a phone call five minutes before the announcement. He knew nothing and he's been the face of the Live Tour. I guess the secrecy just amazed me. Is the big thing here, the PGA Tour are set up, they're a, a lot of people may not know, they're a, they're a non-profit organisation, LIV are a for-profit organisation and it sounds like the PGA Tour, whatever it's going to be called, the world of golf now is a for-profit organisation. Well the way I read it from the press release that we've seen is that the, the combined entity of those three organisations will be a for-profit organisation. The commercial rights that they each have and they're each now sharing uh, will be a for-profit organisation. But the PGA Tour is a standalone entity, which it probably still will be in terms of the administering of their specific tournaments, is going to be a a, a non-for-profit organisation, a charity organisation. And that will be very important for the PGA Tour moving forward because they need that um, status in terms of continuing to attract sponsors. Many sponsors get involved in the PGA Tour because they see the uh, philanthropic nature of it being good for their business. So, um, uh, yeah, it appears that the PGA Tour will remain a a non-profit organisation, whereas the entity with all the commercial rights that are involved in each of those will become a for-profit organisation. Now, how you read that, I don't know. But one of the things that I think staggered me when I first read this this morning, staff, was just the bloody sheer hypocrisy mm. of it all. I mean, uh, six months ago, two months ago maybe, Monaghan and his cronies were really um, you know, completely against the idea of uh, getting into bed with the uh, Saudis, and 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 now we find them singing their praises. It, it's bizarre how this um, this uh, arrangement has turned around, and their attitude towards the Saudis has turned around. So, 
I guess money speaks loudest uh, when it comes to these sort of things, and it's in some ways the morality of it leaves a little bit to be uh, a little bit, uh, yeah, to, to the imagination. I guess you could say. Um, I hope. Well, I think, and I hope that in three or four ti- uh, three or four years' time, um, the state of the game of golf in the world. I think it will be hopefully, better for all of this. It's going to be very dirty, very mucky. I don't know if you've seen, just recently there was a meeting of all the players at the Canadian Open and 90% of the players are against the merger. I'm wondering, mm. does Jay Monaghan have the power to make this decision or does he need sign-off from the players? And, I, and I'm picking we'll hear from Rory at some stage. Well, the PGA Tour is a players' organisation. Obviously, it's it's you know it's it, 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 all the players are members of the PGA Tour, and I'm not sure quite what authority Jay Monaghan has as their uh, as their commissioner to make uh, the final decision on behalf of the players who have had no knowledge of this. It would seem Rory McIlroy. It's interesting with McIlroy. I mean, this is suggesting that McIlroy's been a loser in this because, in many ways, he's been the spokesperson for the PGA Tour over the last. 18 months or so, but you might have noticed over the last six weeks or so, he's really backed off. Mm. And I think that's because of the fact that some of his form was, uh, was um, he wasn't performing up to his best. And I think he was being distracted by his support of the PGA Tour. So, um, yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about winners and losers in this. Uh, but I, I mean, hopefully, as you say, in another two or three years, There'll be a combined entity. Everybody will be working together. But there are just so many things to work out. Just scheduling. Where you know, who put, what tournaments are played where? Do Live Golf continue on? Does the, does the PGA Tour embrace the format of Live Golf? I, I, there's just so many things to be worked out. They may have already been worked out, but they're yet to be disclosed. And it's rather interesting, you say, because the Canadian Open is on this week and they had a meeting today or on Tuesday Canadian time at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I've yet to see the results or any transcripts from that meeting. But it'll be very interesting to see if we are allowed allowed to see um, that the the results of that meeting. You indicated that 90% of the players are probably saying no at the moment because they don't know the detail. Um, But uh, that's an interesting in- initial reaction from the players. Yeah, there, there's a quote here from uh, Johnson Wagner, three-time PGA Tour winner. He was listening in on a mobile phone and he indicated that there were 90% of the players present were against the merger. And he said, I think the most powerful moment was when one of the players quoted Commissioner Monaghan from Minnesota last year when he said, as long as I'm Commissioner of the PGA Tour, no player who took live money will ever play on the PGA Tour again. That very same money has changed the commissioner's mind. Exactly right. And look, uh, I've seen already seen some of those uh, playbacks from yesterday, from last year of uh, Monaghan and some of the comments that he was making about never be getting into bed with uh, Live Tour or the Live Tour players or allowing them back on the PGA Tour. But it's funny how money can uh, speaks volumes, it would seem. And, and in many ways, I mean, you heard that comment in your forerunner there to our chat. I, I think it was from Randall Chambly saying it's such an incredibly sad day uh, for professional golf. And some might suggest that's the case. If they can find a way to iron out all the, all the, all the, uh, the, the issues that they're facing to try and get this to work together, then hopefully it will be good for the betterment of the game. I hate the term growth of the game. It's a totally mm. overused term. But, um, but uh, you know, hopefully it'll be good for the betterment of the game. But I think we really need to wait some time before there's a general acceptance by the golfing world and by the players themselves to see whether or not this is going to work out.
Yeah, interestingly, in, in March, the PGA Tour, they announced big changes to the 2024 schedule. So my understanding is Liv will continue to carry on uh, for the rest of this year. But the PGA Tour said next year, smaller fields, 70 to 78 players, no cut line, um, not changing majors and FedEx Cup, but ramped up prize money. They were being forced by Liv. But I just wonder if the cost of litigation, the the Liv Tour and the Saudi backers, they weren't going away, and the PGA Tour were just burning money after money after money in a fight that maybe they could have won, but they just would have been so hamstrung financially. It's almost like they had them over a barrel. I think this, that's played a big role in this decision-making process because there was a stalemate out there that appeared unlikely to go anywhere and it was going to be, the costs were going to be ridiculous. Now, the Saudi government and the PIF, um, the public investment fund that uh, that's obviously funded by the Saudi government, uh, they could afford it. They could, I mean, they've got a bottom, bottomless pit, but the PGA Tour doesn't have that. And it was probably reaching a stage where something had to be done in that respect and there had to be some sort of um, compromise from the PGA Tour to try and alleviate some of the costs that they were running up uh, in terms of legal representation. So I, I don't doubt for a moment that that's played a role in this decision-making process. And you made the point about the PGA Tour really changing the dynamic of many events. And, of course, these designated events now that are each worth $20 million, mm. they'll have, the players will have will be able to thank the Live Tour. I mean, I'm not necessarily a Live Golf fan, but the Live Golf has really made a, a significant improvement in many respects for the PGA Tour players because they're now playing for a lot more money than was ever the case previously. Somehow the PGA Tour has been able to find some money hidden in some closets somewhere, I think. <laughs> The, the other thing is uh, Phil Mickerson joined for a 200 million sign-on, Dustin Johnson 150 million sign-on, um, and it, I found out this morning I hadn't heard this before. Tiger Woods was offered 700 million to join, and he declined it. Um, do, do they just have to, they they don't pay that money back? Do they just wipe that slate clean? Because here's what I think, Bruce. Like golf was a good buggers. By and large, uh, you can put your line through a couple, and they've seen each other at majors, and they're just like, mate, this is stupid. What do we have to do? Yeah. I, mean, I think ultimately they just want to all play together again. Um, and there was talk. Both Rory and Tiger both said, rightly or wrongly, Greg Norman's got to go. We need an adult in the room. Quite a while ago, they were wanting the fences to be mended. They wanted some conciliation. They they wanted to sort it all out. Greg Norman, no mention of him in any of the releases, no mention of him by either the commissioner or the head of the public investment fund. Um, does he just go off in his big boat and go fishing now, do you think? <laughs> well, look, in many ways, his, it, he may well see this as a job done. Yes. A mission accomplished. Change manager. Um, and that... And that that will be that may well have been the the initial objective that he was targeted at and what they engaged him to do. So he may well um, feel like he's had a significant victory as part of this. And uh, you know he's saying that he was not involved in it, but he, time will tell whether that's the case or not, or whether he was aware of it. Uh, we're not sure, are we, at this stage whether he was aware of it? He's certainly suggesting that this is completely out of the blue to him. But um, I think for in many respects, um, by bringing Liv in the PGA Tour and DP and the Euro, I, I hate calling the European Tour the DP World Tour, but um, 
but uh, but you know, in many respects, he's it's been it's a case of mission accomplished for him, I think. Mm. And my last question: How does um, how do you earn your PGA Tour card? How do you earn DP card? How, races to CME Globes and races to Dubai and all that. It's it's a complete overhaul. Well, now the top, I don't know, two hundred and fifty pick and choose their tournaments from around the world. It, that is that is a hit. There's so many little bits and pieces that need to be sorted. Well, exactly. That's the uh, devil in the detail that I mentioned earlier. Mm. And I guess we'll find out how that all comes together over the next little while. But so many questions. Uh, it's, it's sort of answered a few questions, just, but it's raised a hell of a lot more, hasn't it? And uh, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they manage to try and bring this monolith now together. I mean, they've got all these antitrust laws in the United States, which, which uh, really work against monopolies. And uh, those are issues that probably have already been addressed in some respects. But they'll be still fighting battles, and they'll be fighting battles in terms of protesters at tournaments now, you know, against the Saudis and their, mm. and their uh, human rights issues and all those sort of things. And that'll probably gain even more momentum now, you'd think, now that Liv and, uh, and PIF are involved on the PGA Tour in the United States. It's going to be fascinating to see how this, how all this evolves. Yes, I think it's going to be cloudy before it comes clear for quite some time. Bruce, <laughs> thanks for coming and chatting to us at such short notice. I always really appreciate your input. Thanks, Steph. Cheers. Here he is, Bruce Young, wonderful golf analyst. Um, so many questions, not a lot of answers. Give us a call, 0800 150 Love to hear your thoughts on this Live PGA DP World Tour European Tour conglomeration. 0800 150 Take your calls after the news. <laughs> How much money? How much money's involved here? I truly believe that the the final nail in the coffin of staying separate is the cost, and the PGA Tour just cannot compete financially with Live. Live have made it clear they ain't going anywhere. They're getting no one watching, but they don't care, <laughs> and they've just got all of this money, so much money. And now it looks like the union will be. The live side of things, the public investment fund, they'll look after the commercial side of things. The PGA Tour, as it is at the moment, it's going to get a rename, just call it World Golf, whatever you like. They're still going to run scheduling and all those sorts of requirements. It's it's a smack in the eyes. I think this is this is a massive story. Really keen on your input in it. 0800 150 Mikey in Christchurch, what's your take? You're quite right. It's a drop of oil in the ocean of oil that these guys own mm. in terms of the money. Um, it's fascinating. And I'll tell you what, Netflix right now are going, oh, we've just got the inside scoop, their full swing docky series. They'd be loving it. This is, this is, this is going to be the highest rating program of next year, I reckon. Um, <clears throat> I've got a few thoughts and a question at the end of it all. I mean, it, when Liv came along, there were a lot of people bemoaning it and what have you. I, I was kind of had a foot in either camp because disruption in business and in sport is a fact of life. I mean, I personally was impacted that uh, back in the 90s when I used to run a record store and also work for a record company, and then streaming came along. So therefore lost a, a basically a job because of that. That's just fact. This is what the people wanted. Yeah. Um, professional rugby, Kerry Packers cricket, these are all things that were disrupted at the time, but one would argue have become a better product um, since then. Um, there are a lot of traditionists who will bemoan this, um, 
but but ultimately tradition is nice but tradition always changes and to me tradition is just nostalgia waiting to happen people will look back on it you know yeah. um and the, i think the main takeaway from this before i get to my question is that everyone every business every organization and every person it just goes to show at the end of the money no matter how, sorry end of the day no matter how dirty or clean the money is everyone has their price. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right? Yep. So we, we can get on a moral bandwagon or we can go on the other side. And I look, ultimately people who do, I fully respect their opinions. Um, but ultimately, what does this mean for guys like Rory and their opposition? Um, because now they're in a, a bit of a quagmire, whereas they will be accepting Saudi money. If they carry on, they're not going to quit golf, are they? They're not going to go, well, I'm done. No. I'm hanging up my clubs. Mm. And so the big question is, what happens to those guys who had the big moral opposition will probably end up getting paid more. It'll definitely come, well, a whole heap of it will come from Saudi money. What does that mean? The, the big thing, big takeaway for me, Rory and Tiger, mostly Rory, has been royally shafted by the PGA Tour, who were happy for him to take it on the chin, get the players' support. There was team meetings between Tiger, Rory, and all the players. No officials allowed. A lock-in meeting. BMW champ, we're staying strong. We're fighting for the integrity of the PGA Tour. History means everything. The PGA Tour saying, thanks, boys. They've been royally shafted. And I'm not talking yep. just about in the pocket, morally. Morally, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And that's, that, that'll be the fascinating thing to, 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 um, to come from this because... I mean, I can see uh, Ty, he doesn't have to play uh, sport anymore. Tiger doesn't have to. No. And probably Rory doesn't have to, but they love the game. Well, Tiger was and offered so... $700 million. The man could barely walk, and he was offered $700 million, and he said no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Anywho. Good on you, Mikey. Fascinating. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Peter Hubbard joins us. Kia ora. Kia ora, Steph. Hey, um, and interesting around this whole live thing, I reckon, is it? When was the first announcement? Well, it was classic patch protection by the um, by the uh, establishment, right? And everyone's talking about the hypocrisy of the PGA Commission or whatever, just Monaghan or whatever. And it's true, right? They were going hard on that sport washing angle, but hello, now they're in the washing machine. Yeah, I know. Um, with them, and but that just shows to me that it was really patch protection. And you know, there's always PR spin and all the bollocks that they say publicly, but interesting. An interesting observation of me is um, the sidelining of um, Greg. Because Greg's the CEO. He's the, effectively, he's the boss of Live, right? Yep. I think he's the CEO. But he's been sidelined, so maybe he was just a puppet. He's a big golf name, whatever. And they had the big boys um, shake your money in the, in the room when it came to things with that public investment fund. But uh, an interesting thing that I liked, I, I, look, I've never really watched much of the Live, but I've listened to a bit about it and read a bit about it. There's some, I think the players are, they own it. They have, you know how they run this team, this team situation? Yes. Um, so they're all part of these teams. And they play these tournaments, so there's individual and there's the team and whatnot. I think the team captains or something are like, almost like franchise owners? Yeah, they have so ownership like a, in the team. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah. They have ownership in the team. So, man, this is a, this is a pathway to riches for these players. So, watch them. Or sign up for it, and I think it's look. It's going to change the game, and let's let's 
not get into sports washing and all that sort of stuff because what about last fella said, hey, when they do get in the money, suddenly the sports washing doesn't seem like that big of a deal. And they, uh, the PIF has, has so much cash and a lot of corporations or whatnot that we all bloody use. So, you know, where do you draw a line? But uh, I thought like this is always going to play out like this. Sort of to your point, eh? Hey? Yeah, they're in the bottomless pit of oil, those fellas. And, you know, that, that for 50 odd years, I'd say I'd have a zero-old amount of cash in there mm. um, to to disrupt the game. But uh, it'll be interesting how it plays out on a slow, slow sporting week. Yeah, just between the eyes, a better hummer. Thanks heaps for calling, buddy. Yeah. Okay, Bob. Cheers, mate. Uh, quick break. I'll tell you what's happening for the rest of the show after that. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yeah, this has really been a shot between the eyes, hasn't it? The uh, the Live Golf merger with the European Tour and the PGA Tour. What is it going to look like? The uh, the guys that have gone over and had heaps of money and then they're going to get back. And my understanding, and there's just stories coming up the wazoo about what it's going to look like. Live are going to c- continue and finish off their tour. Um, PGA Tour as well. Uh, so it's... It's just, your guess is as good as mine. I almost went, how do they work out the tour cards? How do they work out world golf rankings? Because the live golfers have gone backwards because they haven't been earning them. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, Tech saying money will forever ruin sport. Get back to basics. Play for your country. Play for your state. Play for passion. Um, Josh from Hirofanua says, I'm looking forward to it. Remember how everyone complained about Qatar World Cup and a month later everyone said it was the best ever? Ha ha. <laughs> good on you, Josh. Uh, there were more people watching Live Golf than some make it out to be. Possibly more have been watching a Live tournament than the normal weekend PGA Tour. I don't know if that's right. Um, there was a stat came out that four and a half million Americans watched the last round of a tournament. Was it last week? And there were 170,000 watching the Live tournament the, the last time they, they both clashed. Now, I'm cognizant that we have to bang in a lot of ad breaks, but it's because we're going to take news early and we're going to cross live. I think it's at Guy Television are going to be having a press conference announcing the Silver Ferns World Cup squad and that starts at 1 so we're going to take um, a break now uh, and then we're going to play the news and then we will come back with the 12 that are playing in the World Cup and the 3 that are travelling non-playing reserves but they will be there for injury cover. Intriguing who they're going to have. We'll also have Jodie Brown, former Silver Fern, I think she's one of the best analysts, says it how she sees it. Um, we'll have her straight after the announcement um, and then hopefully we'll have a captain or a coach or something like that after that as well. So uh, stick around for that. We'll come back shortly. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
Right, we're just in a bit of a holding pattern waiting for the press conference and the press announcement of the Silver Ferns team to go to the World Cup in South Africa and represent New Zealand. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing who they're picking because I can't pick it. I think there's a few certainties, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, so as soon as they start, we will cross over. I'm remembering uh, we're just coming up to one o'clock. Um, thanks to all the crew that facilitated taking the New Zealand so we can get this press announcement bang on time. So live, you'll hear it as we hear it. It's being announced at uh, Sky Television Studios. Um, and we've got someone down there giving us the audio as well, which is great. Um, remember, Running It Straight is on from 2 till 3. Little birdie tells me, Dylan, Wateni Zalesniak is joining the show. Um, I just don't know how Samuel containers excitement having Dallin on the show. It's still to come on here too once we've uh, found our way, picked our path through the netball squad. I'll be talking to Jody Brown just after it's been named former Silver Fern. Had her on a couple of weeks ago. Pulls no punches, Jody Brown. Um, and it's interesting when a team's named, whether it's a rugby league team, a rugby team, a netball team, first point of conversation is you talk about who didn't make it. You talk about who didn't make it. So um, it'd be interesting to see who doesn't make it. Uh, I think there's a couple of really good players who may not. Michaela Sokolic beats in and potentially Peter Toyava. I think Peter will make it because of her combination with Grace Wickey, but uh, I'm not sure. For the people that have just joined us from the Rural Roundup, oh, you've probably still got your news playing. I don't know. Have they still got their news playing? The Rural Roundup feed? Oh, I think they're back. I think they're back. Uh, first hour, if you've just joined uh, the mainstream again, we went in deep on the Live Golf PGA Tour merger and the DP World Tour, the European Tour. All three now under one umbrella. Uh, the head of the public investment fund from Saudi, he'll be head of the commercial arm of this new entity. It looks like that the people that are in the PGA Tour at the moment, they're still going to run the scheduling and um, qualification all that sort of thing, but there's just, um, the devil is in the detail. Bruce Young, we had him on, wonderful analyst about what he thinks the future of golf in the world looks like, um, what happens to the players like Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, who got huge payouts just a year ago, between a year and 18 months ago. Uh, Phil Mickelson, 200 million. Cam Smith was over 100 million, had just won the British Open and then went to live. Brooks Kepka multiple major champion. What's going to happen with all of that? I, I don't think anything can happen. But here we go. Here is the announcement of the Silver Fern squad to go to South Africa. Kia ora koutou. It is my absolute pleasure and privilege to announce the 2023 Silver Ferns team to compete at the 2023 Netball World Cup in Cape Town, South Africa. Karen Berger, Gina Crampton, Melian Ignacio, Captain, Maddie Gordon, Kate Heffernan, Kelly Jury, Phoenix Karaka, Grace Nuwiki, Tapai Salbi Rukit, Whitney Sunis, Jane Watson, and Maya Wilson. In the travelling reserves are Sulu Fitzpatrick, Tina, uh, Tiana Maturo, and Mila Rilu Buchanan. Well, there you have it. The there it is. World Cup squad. Um, Gina Crampton, vice captain. Oh, Dame Nolene's here. 
Uh, is she here? No, she's not. Karen Berger, Gina Crampton as vice captain. And then they've just taken it off the screen. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Gosh, they rattled through that, didn't they? They absolutely rattled through that. I'm going to try and get the find the um, team if they've sent it to us. Please have sent it to us. Well, Sam's sending it to me. You're a champion. Where have you sent it, Sam? You've sent it to my email? I don't know. Can't see it. Can't see it. Um, this has caught us on the hop. I didn't th- realise it was going to be that blimmin' quick as they were reading it out. Um, so a team of 12, uh, three, what do you call them, travelling, non-playing reserves. Um, Sula Fitzpatrick, who I thought would go as a non-travelling reserve, such an influential leader, a voice around the team, um, which I think is great that she's involved, hasn't had the strongest um, body to go through this whole season, had a, it looked like a season-ending injury, but she did, she did play towards the end of the, but uh, towards the end of the season. Um, Maya Wilson, a little bit surprised at her making it, um, not massively, but a little bit surprised. I'm wondering, can we take that audio, Sam, with Dame Nolan? No, we can't. No, we can't. Okay, um, and I still just can't find the team, Sam. Just can't find the team. <laughs> you sent it to me where? On my Gmail. There it is. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Right yo. It is. Karen Berger. So she's a goal defence, wing defence. Gina Crampton, wing attack, um, centre. Milian Ekanasio, goal attack, goal shoot, wing attack at a pinch. Maddie Gordon, mid-quarter, fantastic. Kate Heffernan, a rock. Kelly Jury, um, probably the best defender in the competition this year. Phoenix Karaka, Grace Wecke, Tapai Selby Rickett, Whitney Soonis, Jane Watson, Maya Wilson. And then the travelling reserves, Tiana Maturo, uh, Mila Riulu Buchanan, and Sulu Fitzpatrick. Um, they will play their group at the World Cup is Trinidad Tobago, dangerous, Uganda and Singapore in the group stages. Um and all the matches, in fact, they play, it's so condensed. They play like play a day, day off, play a day, play a day, day off. It is really, really condensed. So um, interesting team, interesting team. Let's go now to former Silver Fern for her take on it. Uh, Jody Brown, thank you for having a yarn with us. Any surprises for you there? No, no surprises there. In fact, that was my team I picked, so <laughs> I'm bust-thumping at the moment. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple of talking points for me. Uh, Noelia Dunn, I think it's not because she moved to the tactics, but I don't feel like she was as dominant as she was in the red dress as she was in the yellow. Uh, yeah, look, I think it's taken a wee while for her to settle into the tactics and settle into a new lineup and get the feel of the team and, and working with a new position. Um, I would also question if she had made the fitness standards, which we know that Noel's mm. is so big on um, around that. And just, the, I guess, the want from Alia. Sometimes, you know, she can come out there and have outstanding seasons and, and, week, and weekends, but then the other weekend she can drop right off. So it's that real consistency around the want, the desire, and the ability to front up week in and week out. Shooters, um, 
Grace Wickey had to make it. Miliani Canasio, captain, had to make it. There's a slight concern for me in Tapai Selby Rickett, Maya Wilson. Um, two, I wouldn't say um, semi-reluctant shooters. Maya Wilson, if it's not a metre or closer, she tends not to take the shot. I th- I'm picking there's going to be a big workload for Ekanasio and Wickey. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the shooting, you know, you had those groups, so Maya, Grace, I'm sorry, not Maya, Tiana and Tapaya, all very similar. I think all of them could have made it on their day in terms of which one she went, went for there. Um, I think recent form of Maya's probably got her in around two. I think she she spent the back half of the season, her last six games, she sat in the 90% um, uh you know, accuracy. And Tapaya came really good at the end of the season as well. So I think Tapaya, I think, is proven at international. I think she's had been, at, when she's been on for the Silver Fern, she has had some really good games. Um, Maya, again, I, a bit of a question mark around there, but maybe another year of growing, another year of being leadership in the stars might have helped her in that fact. Can you see at the defensive end, I'm going to bounce all over the place, Jody, because the game of netball's fast, so I'm going to be in playing in all different thirds. The, yep. de- the defensive end, um, would she be prepared to have uh, two combinations? So Jane and Karen play a lot together for tactics. They are brilliant. And Kelly and Phoenix, they can play together. Or do you think we'll see a mix and match between the four? Um, I think you'll see a real mix and match. I think the the beauty of it is, like you say, you've got those combinations, and Noel's knows that has proven, um, and that's their go-to. And, and you can quite obviously see that Karen and Jane are very good when they're together. But I think the ability to, to muck, you know, muck around with it, have a play. Noel's has got six weeks that she can she can do that. Um, when you have someone like tight on, like Jane Watson at the back, and then a floater like Phoenix Karaka, I mean that can be quite a dynamic combination as well. So. I think the beauty that Niles has up her sleeve is she's got time and a lot of the other major countries around um, the world are, le- are leaving themselves a little bit short on time to develop those combinations. I guess the big exclude is Peter Toyava, who has an amazing combination with Grace Nwiki. No one feeds Grace as well as Peter. No one knows her as well. And Grace similarly doesn't, I wouldn't say trust, um, plays the best she played. We see the best from Grace when she's playing with Peter. It must have been tempting to get Peter Toyava in there. Yeah, look, I think um, you're right. She was had outstanding season for the Mystics. I think, you know, generally with her leadership, with her ability. No, Peter brings the flair. She brings that, that you know, the skill that you can't coach. Um, and... So for me, I guess the question mark would would have been around, like, can she do that with another player? Can she do that, you know, with a moving circle? What are those skills that she can bring there? Um, I know we've been talking about her and her potential to make it um, on one person. So how would she fit in with the rest of the team? And that's potentially what they've looked at. And the other one I feel a bit for is Michaela Sokolic beats in probably a victim of being too specialised in that wing defence bib and not... And not um, I mean, she could she could play goal defence at a pinch, but you you need to be better than at a pinch for a World Cup. Yeah, I think you're right. If she's unfortunately missed out because within that wing defence position, you've got cover, you've got a Kate Heffernan, you've got a Maddie Gordon, you've also got a Karen Berger, you've got a Phoenix Cutter. So a real um, mix there that can play that wing defence, goal defence slide um, around there. So 
Um, look, I think, you know, even though she's had an outstanding season with the Mystics, you have a look at her stats, um, those those ones that are in the team, their intercept rate and their um, ability to get deflections and ball was a lot higher than what hers was throughout the season. Sula Fitzpatrick makes it as a travelling reserve, I think, as good a player she's, she is. She's going to be almost more valuable as a squad member to these players, just such a level head. Everyone speaks so highly of her. Yeah, look, she's experienced, and that's what Niles has said, you know, when she usually picks teams for clinical events, she goes with experience. I think on form, the, the four defence that she's picked are definitely the four that are on form that will get you ball, that will win you a world championship. Don't know if Sulu's quite up to that level at the moment. I mean, she played the last few rounds with a meniscal tear, which was outstanding. But like you say, what you get from Sulu off the court is probably far more valuable than what she can provide on the court at the moment. And I think that is really crucial um, especially when you're sitting outside the team, you know, you can get itchy feet, you can get that, why are they not playing me, why are they not selecting me, that kind of stuff. I don't think Sulu will be like that. I think she will be that complete team player that will bring the energy, that will provide the and they really need it. So talking to Jodie Brown, former Silver Fern, I was going to say, so uh, are you pretty happy with the team? But you told me right at the start, it's the team you picked right down to the reserves. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, I um, like I, I think it's been fantastic for the competition, and like I say, my my team has changed every week. You know, every week I've been slotting people in and slotting people out. Um, and then yeah, just it wasn't until after the ANZ Premiership on Sunday that I was like, all right, here's my players, <laughs> and, they, and they were the ones that were on the screen just then. So um, yeah, look, I'm excited for this team. It's it's, it's uh, got a team full of potential. Um, that I think can play a variety of different styles, which you're going to need over there because um, you're going to play so many different styles as well. And with no Silver Ferns trials now, I'm imagining they're going to go into camp probably tomorrow or the next day, or maybe Monday. What's Noel's, What's her big thing she's going to work on, do you think, to prepare this group for the World Cup? I think it's probably just that connections and gelling. I think in the ANZ um, premiership teams, you spend so long, you know, around the team philosophy and the team goals for that season and gelling and those combinations. Now it's the opportunity to put that all together. And while she's got pockets of combinations that she's um, developed, it's really that team, that whole team aspect. Then everybody on the walker, making sure they're all prepared. She'll leave no stone unturned. I know she's got a, a pretty full-on jam-packed um, time prepared for them. You know, over to Gold Coast, you've got the amazing Laura Lambman working for, with them over there. And then they'll get to South Africa nice and early. And I think they'll just get to South Africa and everything will be done. Um, and I think they've been really meticulous in their planning. Is there enough time to really get those combinations or will you have to develop those in the three very winnable games in pool play and then we'll hit the ground running? Well, I think in, in training will probably provide you the best training environment and the best gameplay environment because those quite often those opening few games in the World Cup uh, are one-sided. Um, so they potentially don't provide you with enough competition and intensity as an in-house training would. So I think they've got more than enough time. They've got six weeks before the World Cup to come in. Um, and if you look at a, a lot of the other teams, you know, Australia is going to come straight off their competition. I think they've only got a couple of weeks before they hit South Africa. So... Really, she has, out of all the international teams, got the, the longest build-up with, with an international team. Right, finally, Jodie, uh, the netball court's broken into three segments. Who's one player 
from each third that is the most important for us to become world champions? Uh, look, I think um, the, I reckon this tournament's going to be really big in the shooting circle for Grace Wiki. I think um, I like. I think Mills is going to be the gel down there, but I think Grace, this is her opportunity to stand up and shine. We've seen her. We can see that she can do it um, regularly in competition, but we want to see that consistency. And I think defence are going to have to really see how to how to um, pick her up. Mm. Um, in the mid-court, I think um, Kate Heffernan is our person to watch. She is outstanding. She's really working on her centre game. She's come from you know, a wing defence background, but her, her ability at centre to get defensive ball, but even more importantly this year, has been really tested around her feeding skills with not having George Fisher in the steel. Mm. So um, I think she's going to be um, amazing for us in the in the um, mid-court. And then down the back, you can't go past the Kallenberger. She will get you ball. She will hunt down, you know, um, attackers. She will ride them, and she will just put everything out there for you. And that's the energy. And, you know, when you look across the line and have a look at someone else in your team, that's the person you look for for a little bit of inspiration. Yeah, and with Karen too, she's going back to her country of birth. Gosh, she is going to be, I think, before a game's played, she's potentially player of the tournament. Yeah, yeah, look, I think she's going to love it. So what a great opportunity to come, you know, from from here, make, it, make a life here. Um, It'll be great as well. Hmm. Awesome, Jody. Great chatting, buddy. Thanks, as always, for jumping on with us. Love chatting netball with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Kathy. See ya. There she is, Jody Brown, former Silver Fern. Well, if Jody Brown's happy with the squad, I'm happy with the squad. So just to repeat, if you just missed it, Silver Fern squad going to South Africa for the World Cup. I was trying to get them all in position. So our defenders are Kelly Jury, Karen Berger, Jane Watson, Phoenix Karaka, no weaknesses there. Mid-quarters of Gina Crampton, Maddie Gordon, Kate Heffernan, and I'm stoked, I am stoked that Jodie signalled her out. I think she's going to announce herself on the world stage, and I also think, and Whitney Soonis is also a mid-quarter, I also think Grace Wecky is going to announce herself on the world stage. She's still not the finished product. This is going to be amazing for her. Next World Cup, look out. But Grace Wecky in the shooters, who else is in the shooting circle? Melia Anikinasio, of course, uh, the captain. Uh, Tapai Selby Rickett um, from the Tactics. And Maya Wilson from the Stars. I think Maya had either the highest or second highest shooting percentage in the ANC Premiership, but she's going to have to start shooting from a little bit of range. I think, interestingly, actually, I know Maya's a goal shoot, two goal shoots, two goal attacks. And the reserves, uh, Tiana Maturo. Mila, Riyulu Buchanan, Sulu Fitzpatrick, reason for that. Tiana can play in the shooting circle, also wing attack, very good feeder. Mila, Riyulu Buchanan can play anywhere in the midcourt. And Sulu Fitzpatrick, um, just just an incredible influence off the court, very good in the shooting circle, uh, sorry, the defensive circle as well. So that is your Silver Ferns World Cup squad. Glenn has just texted and said, Staff, I believe it's a mistake not to take Peter Toyava. You know what, Glenn? I, I hear you, but at the expense of who? So if she made it, someone's got a miss out of Gina Crampton, Maddie Gordon, Kate Heffernan, and Whitney Soonis. Um, possibly at the expense of Whitney Soonis? I don't know, but the Petter-Grace combo is just, you just cannot stop it. No opposition could stop it. The only opposition that got close to stopping it was um, the Magic, and they, they didn't make the playoffs. 
They're going up against the best in the world, and Peter is is shorter, and you can uh, you can probably ca- uh, hide behind that a little bit better at ANZ Prem. But I'm with you. I would have loved to seen her on the world stage. I really would have, and that could have been rock star material because. I often say in my commentary when I've called the games this year that Peta passes the ball before she's even caught it. She is that fast. So hopefully she's not too peed off. She hasn't made it. And then, you know, there's some unlucky ones. Uh, I think Michaela Sokolic-Spitz is probably the most unlucky. And unlucky because she's so good at wing defence. She's better than any of these players at wing defence. But that's it. She's a wing defender. She could fill in in the others. So a victim of her own specialty. Right, we'll have a break. If you want to comment on that, if you want to give us a call, I'm happy to. 0800 150 811. Text us, double eight double three. That is the Tampa Bed Post text. Oh, and incidentally, my sister bought a new bed from Bed Post for when I go visiting her in Papamaya. It's in the garage, but it's all carpeted and lined. Had my first night in it, uh, three nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Magnificent. So now I can truly say the Bed Post beds are the mickey. So get down to Bed Post, grab yourself a temper pillow, Thank me later. 0800 150 811, your reaction to the Silver Fern Squad. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Time for Bailey's Property of the Week. Sam, you need to listen up to this one. This is your cup of tea. Aren't they all? No, Aren't the, they all? Well, they all tick, because you've got so many boxes, but this one ticks a few. First of all, Havelock North. Uh, so, sorry, hold on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now this one is an iconic property offering a multitude of opportunities in an outstanding location. This is the Baelish Property of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Sports you by market by Chris August. Big smile. Big smile, Chris August. And Tim Wynn-Lewis. There's some Welsh heritage there, I feel, Tim. Um, welcome to Havelock North. I've always wanted a double barrel name. Not forever, just for a while. Just a bit of authenticity. So Chris August and Tim Wynn-Lewis from Havelock North, they're happy to show you. Uh, 76, 96, 98 Havelock Road, three addresses. It boasts three titles across a tick over 11 hectares. There's retail space, there's a pack house, two dwellings, lots of sheds. Sheds. Sam loves sheds. The retail space and pack house is on one title and currently hosting a well-known local business. <gasps> What's the well-known local business? wonder if I can... I'm going to put my Inspector Gadget hat on and see if I can see in the photos what the local business is. Um, Chris will tell you. And hyphen. Uh, it's leased until potentially 2025 and it provides significant holding income as well as the potential to grow or diversify the business in the future. Now, the primary residence is character-laden, and I don't use laden lightly. It is character-laden, three-bedroom family home, bathed in sunshine, nestled in an attractive, established setting with park-like grounds and established trees. Established trees. Love a tree. The final title, it's got a two-bedroom cottage. Do I hear in-laws? I hear in-laws. Uh, pro- about that one. Uh, uh, well, Can I just say, though, um, 
there's not a lot better than a tree. I know. But an established tree yeah. is that's <laughs> just next level. Yeah, established. Park like. Uh, you can use the cottage for your in-laws, rental potential. Or if you've got a big, big family, chuck the naughty ones in there. It is unmissable with prime road frontage and lots of ways to get into the property. It's a significant land package. It's perfectly positioned to capture the custom of both Hastings and or Havelock North. Now, packages size and location with a variety of businesses and potential development opportunities really come to market. Chris August, Tim, Wynn-Lewis, they are the roosters that you got to get in touch with. Now go to the photos. They use drones. I'm sure Bailey's use drones or really, really big cherry pickers. It's magnet. It's manicured. It's ready to plant whatever you want. Juniper berries, Sam, for your gin. Hold on. <laughs> um, apples grow well in uh, Havelock North. Great for a cidery. <laughs> oh, geez, lots of coins there. Now, here's the established business. Oh, it's a beautiful, you can get a planter box for $50. There's avocados, capsicums. It's veggie, fresh veggie. It's actually really, really nice. There's an outdoor area where you could run a little cafe as well, I'd suggest, right next to the vines. There's the character house, tile roof, shutters, lending it to that English charm. They said character, I'm seeing character. If the house could talk, it would have a posh accent. Kitchen looks good. They've got expensive hand wash on the uh, bench, actually. Uh, big open fireplace, bedroom, huge bed, three-seater couch, two chairs, vanity and doors overlooking your property. Chris August, Tim Wynn lewis get ready for a call from Sam Hewitt. Oh, 100. Yeah, they are in Havelock North, Bailey's Property of the Week. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I love that. I Can love you that. give me uh, just a quick... Demo of that English voice you were talking about. If the house could talk. Yeah. Um, I'm not very good at accents. Oh, well, you'd have to try. Um, I'm a big house, isn't I? <laughs> I don't know if that's very posh. That's oh, more posh. Your South London, isn't it? It's a big house, yeah? Oh, posh. Yes. Uh, yes. So I'm a house with shutters. Yeah, shutters, of course. Shutters and a be- shutters, of be- course. beautiful kitchen. Come through. Come through. Have a mm, look. Mm, not pl- bad. Plush. Mm. Not bad at all. Superb. Now, I feel like Craig's just texting, um, you know when you open up a Word document or a PowerPoint and it's got the uh, the generic Latin? I feel like that's what Craig's just text through. Oh, my goodness. Although, obviously, he's pulling up on the Latin story that I told yesterday. Ave champi discmus nostrum vidi centore e proximi el live gladiolus non extant vici per... Oh, can't say that word. I don't know what that means. At the end, it says 23, so it's got to be 2023, because MM must stand for 1,000, so 2023. 2023. It's, okay, let's try and... Um, get Pop that a, into Google Translate. I think it's G'day Champions. All of the stuff around live, uh, gladiolus non-extant. Um, I'm glad it's non-existent. Uh, there's a there's a proxima and a scoli, which is something to do with the closeness of academics. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I prefer Craig's other text. Staff, did anyone from the steel make the silver fern squad? <laughs> that you can decipher. Kate Heffernan. I was very concerned for Kate Heffernan. She is one classy player. 
Uh, very, very classy. Into the Silver Ferns, immediate am- impact test one. She is with her. Uh, Maddie Gordon, um, Kelly Jury, still pretty young. Yeah, Kate Heffernan, we were really well served with youngsters. Staffy, the netball team is a very good one. Great mix of youth and experience, and I picked them all. Yay to me. Leanne, you're another selector. Selector. All right. Um, please pass on my thanks to Kempi for his tip this morning. Analyst just won at Matter Matter paying $6.70. Happy days. Tell you what, he's going to be in studio in about 30 minutes. I'll leave that text message, Kane, for him to see, to see your thanks. Let's have some news with Johnny Mac. Just before we join Paul Mawari, Sam, play the play what I've asked you to play. Now, you know this gets me fired up, fizzed and ready to go. See, I'm hoping it's about UFOs. No. Oh. Bailey's property of the week. Yes, sir. We were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. A listener's just texted in and said, I was driving past the property as you were talking about it. Wow. The business is called Strawberry Patch and it is a fine local business. Imagine how he felt we were talking about Tingles. exactly where he was. Goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. Now, I don't know who that texter is, but maybe that's a sign to just pop into Bailey's and put your name on a form and let them call you back. Aiden, go straight to Bailey's. And if you want to, I'm happy to look after it for you <laughs> <laughs> and grow any crops that you might like. Right, back to the business at hand. That is tab.co.nz. Paulie Mowadi joins us. I'm imagining there's been a plunge of money on the Silver Ferns to win the World Cup after the naming of their squad that sounds like everybody picked. <laughs> no no real surprises, uh, Steph. And... Uh, even though the Silver Ferns are still on that second line of betting uh, at $6, I might add, $6. Oh, um, they, yeah, they have been popular. Um, to be fair, the Aussies um, are still live in a number of people's multis. So the dollar fifty on Australia to win the 2023 Nipple World Cup, um, they are still very, very popular. But the Silver Ferns, uh, by far and away, in terms of single bets, mm. Uh, the most popular, $6, the Silver Ferns, very hard to resist. Um, something that was massively on our radar, what was it, a couple of years ago, the World Test Championship has snuck up and it's about to bite us in the eyes. Does anyone even know about Australia taking on India and England for the World Test Championship? <laughs> Look, there, there are a few punters out there who uh, keen and who have jumped on. Um, of course, doesn't uh, doesn't include the uh, black caps, so not as not quite as much interest uh, this time round. Uh, but in, in that head-to-head market, it's around 55 to 60 percent of turnover is on the Australians who have tightened in uh, over the last couple of hours. They're now a dollar 82 uh, to win that Test match. The Indians are two dollars and 80 cents. The draws at five dollars and 45. The boys have put up a a boosted market. Uh, on that test match, Coley and Smith to each saw half centuries uh, in the first innings. That's been boosted from five out to 550. And they've got a number of power plays uh, for that as well. And the most popular, um, it was paying $5. Uh, Coley, Pujara and Sharma each to score 25 or more runs 
in the first innings, that's paying $5. That's been the best back power play so far. You know what I do with power plays, don't you? Go to the bottom of the page and work your way up. That's it, and find one that I go, mmm. So here it is. <laughs> Coley and uh, Shubman Gill to both score 25, and Cummins and Stark to take two wickets each, all in the first inning. $7, thank you very much. Lock it in, bang. <laughs> yeah. right. we'll, we'll hook that option up to the alarm bell and we'll just see, <laughs> we'll just see the money start to pour in. Oh, fantastic. Um, gosh, where are we? We're Wednesday. We've had a couple of days yeah. trading on the Super Rugby quarterfinals. I'm, I'm only interested in the last one. I know what happens in the first three, but the last one, any movement there? Yeah, well, as soon as the boys open that market, the, the initial... Um, I guess action was on the Brumbies, who are two dollar and five outsiders. Uh, the Canes are currently a dollar seventy-seven, and the draws at eighteen dollars. Uh, since then, we've started to see we've started to see some uh, money come the way of the Hurricanes at a dollar seventy-seven, and they're almost trading dollar for dollar in that match result market uh, at the moment. So, yeah, the, the initial uh, burst was for the Brumbies, and now there's a bit of money starting to come for the Canes, and they're fairly even at the moment, just having a look a bit further down the page. And the winning team in margin book, uh, the best back uh, selection there is the Hurricanes to win by 1 to 12, which is paying $2.70. I'm not sure when the uh, Champions League final is, but it is City and Inter. And my brother-in-law is from Manchester, and I just said to him, mate, you're going to get the triple. And he said, no, Inter beat us when we're supposed to win. Um, so I'm interested to see what they're paying to win the Champions League, or maybe even just the draw. Okay, all righty. So that's the Sunday morning, <laughs> right? And in, Inter Milan, a six fifty in the head-to-head market. Mm. City a dollar forty. The draws at four thirty-three, or you could take the um, two list the cup option. City are a dollar twenty-two. Inter four dollars and ten cents. Of course, people love to get stuck into the method of victory with these um, with these matches where there has to be a result. Uh, and we've taken a bit of money on both City uh, to win on penalties at $13 and Inter to win on penalties at $15. So um, there's, yeah, there's plenty of action in this Champions League final. Uh, most of it on City at the moment. But uh, with your little... Uh, uh, Jim, there. <laughs> we, maybe we might start taking a wee bit on international at six fifty. Mm, all right, one more. What what other ones sparking your interest today, Mo? <laughs> Why don't we have a look at the uh, Canadian Open? Yes. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> because there's all the talk this morning has been about um, golf, I suspect, uh, and in that outright winner market. Well, we've got a favourite. His name is Rory McIlroy. I'm guessing he's probably not—he's he's probably not the happiest uh, today after the news that's come out uh, with the PGA and the Live Tour. He's a five-dollar fifty favourite to win the Canadian Open. I think he's worth a bit of a risk here, so and you can I. have a look a wee bit a bit further down the page uh, at someone else. I, I'm trying to look for. Uh, live golfers uh, because I think they'd be the happiest guys going around at the moment. I think the the best uh, now if we're talking live. You want mental um, fortitude? I don't think live golfers are in there. I don't think they're I'm in just there. Just having a look. 
No, you might be right, actually. No, I think mental no, fortitude no. is what you need here. In fact, we were talking to Bruce Young earlier um, at about 20 past 12, and he said Rory McIlroy hasn't really spoken much about the Live PGA thing because it was affecting his game. Well, this is going to affect his game even more. So, yeah, lay the fave. So I'm thinking... Uh, an older golfer who's still in good nick, maybe a Justin Rose, maybe a, a Shane Lowry. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood, Tommy yeah. Fleetwood, someone who's just going, Matt Kuchar even, he's nearly 100, but just these guys that don't give a toss and they won't be talking about it and can play some good golf. I think this is the week of roughy wins. Oh, well, if you can find the roughy, mm. then you'll have a bit of a bank balance to use on the US Open, which is at the Los Angeles Country Club. Um, next weekend, the favourite at the moment, Scotty Scheffler at eight fifty to win the U.S. Open. Uh, John Rahm's on the second line of betting at nine dollars. Brooks Kepka uh, at ten dollars, the winner of the last major, and of course uh, Victor Hovland, who uh, just won the Memorial in a playoff last weekend. He's at nineteen dollars. The one I don't mind is Colin Morikawa at nineteen dollars. He's a California kid. He loves it out there, out west. Uh, and he loves it out there for the big, big tournaments as well. I remember him winning the, uh, I think it was the USPGA uh, a few years back uh, out in California way. So I don't mind the look of Colin Morikara at 19. Although he has tweeted this morning that he's spewing about this conglomeration. Right. So Love, uh, we will have love to... finding out news on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what he said. All right, Paulie, good chatting, buddy. Thanks, mate. All good. Thanks, Steph. Catch you. There he is, Paul Mawadi from the TAB. And remember... Um, they have all the promotions lots and lots of sports markets to choose from, all the in-play stuff it's at tab.co.nz or download your app we'll find out what else is making news around the world very, very shortly Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Has anything else been going on in the world apart from the live... PGA. Well, manager? Steph, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on uh, on what's making news this morning. Uh, I want you to give me a pre what's making news ranking, and I'll revisit it at full time. Okay, pre ranking. If you spend a lot of time, is it out of ten or out of ten? I'm I'm going to say eight. It's a big call. It's up there. Right. So uh, I've actually got some great yarns for you outside of Live Golf and the PGA. Uh, OJ Simpson. Yep. Now, did you know that O.J. Simpson was nearly cast as the Terminator? No. Did you know that? Well, he almost uh, was in real life, didn't he? he? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has revealed in his new docuseries, Arnold, <laughs> that the former NFL player was almost cast in the iconic, I always get this word wrong, titular? Titular. Titular role. Uh, in the docuseries, he is joined by the Terminator director, James Cameron, who both recall how the film came to fruition. They said that uh, they were considering O.J. for the role as Terminator. Do you know why they didn't do it, Steph? Potentially something to do with the conviction. Producers didn't think that the audience would buy him as a killing machine. <laughs> that is verbatim. How about that? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, if the if the cyborg eyes do not fit, you must acquit. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's um, good from you. A Finnish driver 
has uh, learned the hard way uh, that speed limits aren't just uh, suggestions. Staff, after being slapped with an enormous fine, uh, was caught going 82 k's. That's 51 miles. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but it's 82 k's in a 50 k zone, 30 k's over. Stopped by police and fined $129,000. Now, I feel like this um, Finland and Sweden... um, do they do the thing where you get fined based on your earnings? Maybe, They yeah. do. So if you're really high earning, they fine you a lot. Whereas if you're like, so this guy's obviously like a millionaire and they find him $129,000. But it makes for a good story because the headline just says, you know, man caught speeding gets $129,000 fine. Yeah, which, straight away. How fast was he Which going? does make you prick your ears up. 30 k's over. I mean, it's not the fastest uh, speeding in the world, is it? Um, a lady has uh, taken a TikTok after she made her way to the ER. She mistakenly used uh, super glue instead of eye drops. <laughs> So you can imagine the photos that came out from that. It's all very um, sticky and, you know. Painful. Painful. And so they, they had to use um, some special fluid. I mean, gee, your eyes would never be. She doesn't look in a good way. Um, your eyes would never be the same. And finally, Steph, can I please get you to spell the word samophile? Well, not knowing what it means, let's go with, say it again. Samophile, but I will give you a hint that the first letter is a P. Okay. P-S-Y... A-M-P-H-I-L-E. Oh, of course. Samophile. Uh, Dev Shah from Largo, Florida, 14-year-old, has become the champion of Scripps National Spelling Bee for 2023, winning $50,000 in cash um, after he correctly spelt the word Samophile. P-S-A-M-M-O-P-H-I-L-E. 11 letters long and a very, very rare word as well because it is just too sort of Greek things pushed together. Samo meaning uh, meaning sand um, and file meaning love. So love of sand, samophile, you love sand. Oh, I don't know. Wow. But that is what it is and that's what will win you $50,000 cash and I imagine you want a fact to finish. I do. Um, oh, I've got to pick from the many that I've got here. Did you know that dolphins can identify humans uh, by checking our skeletal structure through their sonar? Wow. Uh, they often help shipwreck victims fight sharks and stay afloat because as a mammal, they understand drowning. Wow. Dolphins are smart, man. Dolphins are smart. They are smart and, and, and have a great set of sonar abilities. My very quick speeding ticket story. Oh, my God. last job, I had, ca- grand. I had a car that had a monitor, a GPS monitoring. So if you went over 104 Ks, it yep. sent an email to your boss saying he's just gone 104 Ks yep. outside Hamilton. I got a speeding ticket, allegedly, mm-hmm. 2 o'clock in the morning, going 130 Ks in a 50 K zone in a no-exit street that was 80 metres long. <laughs> what were you doing? I was asleep. Sure. It was a Maybe fault in the, the system. Maybe Gave me a wheel. heck of a fright. Uh, we'll go back in the day after this. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. Uh, June 7, 1976, in McDonald's opened for the first time in New Zealand in Cobham Court, Porirua. Big Macs, 75 cents. Cheeseburgers, 40 cents. Hamburgers, 30 cents. Happy days. Uh, 1998, the Chicago Bulls defeated the Utah Jazz 96-54. The most lopsided game in the history of the NBA Finals. Uh, birthdays today, Ant Strawn, former All Black, 57. Michael Foley, former Wallaby, 56. Kafu, Brazilian footy player, 53. 
Alan Iverson, my favourite player when I was a little kid. He had so many nicknames. AI, Ivy, uh, me, myself, Iverson. Uh, the answer, because he was the answer to the NBA's, uh, what was the third degree? He had so many nicknames. Uh, Bondy, Shane Bond, happy birthday. Got it! Patrick Swallowball, beautifully bowled. Well done, Shane Bond. Good comeback. Back and And it's another wicket down. All the New Zealanders. Well done. Purple Rain was the number one movie in 84, and this was the number one song. Big show today, thanks to Sammy for everything, particularly with that Live Golf. Go back and have a listen to that. Sammy's not going anywhere, Kempi's coming in too.